Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, Michelle here. I'm so excited to let you know about Freedom Model International Membership. Get support as you deprogram from the 12 steps and the shackles of addiction recovery. For a low monthly membership fee, you get the Freedom Model online program, which includes our books, our audiobooks, workbooks, and all the additional lessons. You also get the Freedom Model for the Family online program as well. You will get a live members-only two-hour question and answer webinar with Mark and myself the last Wednesday of every month. And each week, we're going to add a new video lesson. We call this the What We Learned This Week series. Lastly, we also have the Freedom Model International monthly newsletter, where we're going to tackle the current events and the latest research for you. All this for just $39.95 per month. You can stay a member for as long as you need, and you can suspend or cancel your subscription whenever you're ready. Go to online.thefreedommodel.org to sign up today. All right, here we are. Hi, Mark, so <laughs> Mark Sheeran here, Michelle Dunbar there. Um, this is the Addiction Solution Podcast, in case you're wondering. Yeah. So um, so we're the creators of the Freedom Model, along with Stephen Slate. And uh, so we do things a little differently here, as many of you know. But if this is your first podcast, um, you'll see that we, we do things uh, differently. We don't talk about addiction being a disease because it's not one. And, uh, and we talk about moving on and we're really going to hit that topic heavy today. Um, because I've been getting a lot of people in class with me. So we have this retreat and we're sitting in the retreat right now that we've been running for 32 years where people come and they learn the freedom model. And, uh, I've had a lot of students lately who are, um, middle-aged and, uh, maybe a little older in some cases and their confidence is shot. Um, which is kind of goes with drinking heavily and drugging yeah. heavily, even though they may have been successful in their careers They're, or their relationships or whatever. Yep. Like they, they feel as if, yeah, they, they, their confidence goes, I guess that's what it is. They, they feel as if somehow they're not useful anymore or they get, they're bored. I mean, once you start achieving things, it, it, it look at, the longer you live, the less exciting life is. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality of things. Yeah. I mean, you have you have to cook in the excitement. You have yeah. to make it happen. And that takes some effort, which is where we're going to go with this. So so I, I think that um, – so you get into these ruts. So these people get into these ruts. And some people call it a midlife crisis. Um, I'm not sure that's – I think that's a little hyperbole. I don't, I don't like crisis. But I can tell you that I went through it in my early 40s. Um, where there's a big change in your life and the way you see things, the way you see the world, uh, you have a lot of wisdom and you've, 
in in my case and the the case of these people, they've achieved so much that now they're kind of coasting, and and then they have to make some changes in their life, and and I understand this, I understand this process, but in order to do so, you got to have courage and willingness, and courage. I I want to define it is not you know, sort of just moving forward in, in some, you know, comfortable way um, or valiant way. It's, it's moving forward in your life in some situation or group of situations, circumstances, um, even when you're scared. So it's moving forward, acting even when you're scared or filled with doubt. And if you drink and drug long enough and, and you watch your life cycle sort of petering off and you feel yourself caught in this rut and you can't seem to get out of it. And then if you get caught in the recovery trap and here's where things really accelerate in a bad direction, you go to a rehab, you go to a clinic, you go to an outpatient clinic, a therapist that's an addictionologist. And all of a sudden, what was once a condition that or a situation that you felt that you could control and get over and move on from is now a condition is seen as an unchangeable situation, right? Right. And, and your confidence gets really shaken because now it's a bigger situation than you thought. And now that's false. Of course, there is no disease of addiction. There's nothing broken here. You are not uh, mentally ill. You don't have a disorder, but those labels really beat people up. So, so I want to talk a little bit about having the courage to move forward. And um, so one of the things I tell people is, how do, you how do you move forward with courage? The first thing you have to do is you have to have the right information. You, it's hard to move forward if you don't know that you're okay. Wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, for sure. Um, so jump in at any point okay. if you want to. So, um, so one of the things I was talking about yesterday with somebody is uh, we we're going through class and he said, well, now that I have the information, I still don't feel confident. And I said, well, you're not going to feel confident until you, until you do things. <laughs> right. That's, that's like, that's like that, that whole argument about, you know, can you instill self-esteem in someone? No, you, you can't. That's an internal job. It, it requires you to actually go out and do things that give, build self-esteem, <laughs> achieve things, you know, and that's the same with confidence. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So it, it's really important to be able to take a risk. And I think that, that when you're labeled an alcoholic or a drug addict, there's no risk in it anymore. Now, the risk is obviously the use. You're going to have bad things happen eventually. There's trade-offs and costs associated with that, but you're willing to pay that. Um, but the risk is very small because it's known. Right. So you get into this, this mode where your habit becomes basically your MO. It becomes the devil you know, and you just keep going forward with that. And, and then somebody like me walks up and says, do you want confidence? You got to go out and try. You got to go out and try other things. Now, what's important here, though, first is you have to get the right information. That there, there is an order of progression here. If you don't have the right information on how to get over a drug or alcohol problem, um, you're not going to do that. If you don't devalue the drug, you're not going to get over the problem. You're still going to value it. You're still going to prefer it. You're going to think there's perceived benefits to it. And you're going to keep going back in that negative feedback loop. Um, 
so that's that's a disaster that and you've already lived that way you know if you're out in the audience having had that experience so the first part is doing the freedom model understanding it when i say doing it i mean reading the book uh going through the freedom model international um uh, membership, maybe maybe doing our video classes in the membership. There's all kinds of tools. The podcast, obviously. So so you got to take care of your preference for heavy intoxication, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then it's a matter of moving uh, forward. Once you've taken care of your preference, once you've devalued the drug to where you realize it can't serve you, that alcohol or drugs cannot serve you in the way you thought they did. Then it's a matter of really um, whether you're willing to move forward in your life. Well, and I okay. So let's where I'm where my mind is gone. Okay, I'm I, I turned fifty four this week. So um, when you get to into your forties, and this this happened to me too. We had somebody ask the question. I'm going to finish the sentence here in a minute. We had somebody ask the question. What about the people that don't start heavy drinking until their 40s and mm-hmm. 50s, right? Like there's there's a lot of those people. They maybe drank normally or non-problematically for a long time. And then all of a sudden they they hit midlife and now they're hitting it hard. So or or they decide they start, they get on. A lot of people get end up getting prescribed all kinds of medications oh, as they get older, too. right? Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden you're on benzos and maybe, maybe all of a sudden you have ADD and they, somebody puts you on Adderall. Mm. Um, so, you know, so now the medications are piling up, you're drinking hard, you're trying to get back some kind of feeling, right? Well, what happens is it's kind of like when you get into your mid forties, you're at the top of the hill. So now you can see that you can see towards the end of your life. Yeah, because nobody lives forever, and most people are the average age is eighty years old. So now you're in, you're at fifty, and more than half your life is done, right? So, so, so I think that becomes incredibly stressful for people, and incredibly, um, you're trying to get back youth. You're trying to get back something. Oh, that's a good point. So you're looking backwards. You're looking backwards, mm. and at the same time, you're trying to to quell that anxiety. And I think it's pretty normal. You know, most of us are dealing with elderly parents, you know, that, or we we're losing our parents. And so we become the oldest generation. Um, we have kids leaving home. I mean, there's so much going on. Maybe we've achieved in our business or maybe our business is, is struggling. And, and so there's all of these, these things you want to feel like as much as I wouldn't go back to my twenties, in retrospect, looking back at my 20s, they were relatively unstressful. I thought they were hugely stressful. Mm-hmm. Not so much. You know, now we have so much more that we have to deal with. And so if we believe that substances provide some kind of comfort and escape, then that's what we go to. And maybe we feel that comfort for just a minute, you know, just a minute, like, oh, this is the devil I know, right? It makes me comfortable just... We probably feel it long before we feel a buzz. Maybe with just our first drink, our like as soon as we put that pill in our mouth, we're like, oh, you know, it obviously hasn't acted on you already, but don't you feel it then? You do, right? Everybody says that. And that's because it's just an activity that you enjoy. So with that said, 
It could be any activity. You could make it any activity. And there are activities that work way better than ingesting a substance. Yeah. So we're not talking about replacement here. What no. we're talking about is moving on. Yes. So so uh, I'm going to give a quick analogy so you understand that nuance and then we can move forward. So if when you were a kid, and I've used this analogy in class and in podcasts in the past, but it but it needs needs to be repeated. So when you're a kid, your bicycle is your mode of transportation. It's your mode of freedom. It's your mode of fun for a lot of people. So try to relate this. So remember when you were eight, nine years old and you had that sense of freedom that you could leave your house and just go riding all over the place, right? And then that that becomes basically your mode of transportation until, you're, uh, until you get your license. And then you get your driver's license and you get in a car and suddenly the bicycle becomes literally not even a thought on your mind because you have something that's much better. Right. And so when you get out on the road on that, in the car or the truck or whatever it is you're driving, you're not thinking to yourself, boy, I better get in this car so that I don't get on my bicycle. Hmm. Right. Nobody forget about it. Yeah. So that I'll forget about it. Now, if that were your thought, which would be an odd thing, what that tells me as an instructor with the freedom model is that you still prefer the bicycle. And if you're trying to distract yourself from the bicycle, in some sort of odd way that you have to get in a car so that you don't get on your bicycle, then you're replacing the bicycle. Now, eventually you're going to get back on that bicycle because you still prefer it, mm -hmm. but nobody does that. And I'll tell you why they don't do that because the car is better. Yeah, and for sure. And when the car is better, it doesn't take any courage really to move forward with it. You just get in the car and you move forward with it. Now, with drinking and drugging, because we have built it into this magical, amazing experience of, of it makes me escape the world and it does all these things, first we got to challenge that. And then we need a little courage to take a chance and move forward. We may not know what a car is at that point. So you have to have some courage to say, okay, I'm going to just go live my life and just on faith move forward. And that doesn't mean you're replacing your addiction, okay? We've already devalued the drug. We've already shown you through various chapters. You've already read the book. We're making that assumption here that you've devalued the drug and the magic is gone. So now, how much courage do you really need to move forward? Not much. You can just say to yourself, you know what? It's got to be better. It's got to be better. Than, yeah. than, than being shit-faced in a hotel somewhere or hiding drinking from your wife or spouse or whatever it might be, or drugging or going to the crack house. That really, if you're chasing drugs all day, isn't that fun, you know? So, so the devil you know doesn't take any courage at all. It takes a slight bit of courage to move forward in your life and just try other things. But you have to devalue that drug first. The perceived benefits are the linchpin. If you still perceive them, if you still perceive that alcohol and or drugs are your ticket to happiness, you have to challenge that first, devalue it, destroy that idea, then with a little bit of courage, move forward with your yeah. life. Yep. It's like being with uh, in a bad relationship, right? It's, great, it's, it's great analogy. There, it's, it's courage and a little bit of faith. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit of faith that I just might be happier if I do something different. You yeah. know, I, I might be happier alone than I am at this point in this relationship.
Yeah, that brings up the whole idea of benefits to benefits analysis, mm -hmm. right? If you have a bad relationship, the benefits of leaving compared to the benefits of staying. And that sometimes is a really tough one. Yeah, and, for sure. And, but we've all pretty much had a relationship at some point in our life where we left, where we yep. said, you know what? It's better on the other side. Yeah. You know, and it does take some courage to leave the known. But my God, it's so much better to take that risk. It yeah. really is. I think I think some people get confused when I say, you know, when we talk about, well, you, you have to believe you're going to be happier. You don't really have to believe you're going to be happier, you know, stopping the substance use. You have to just open your mind to that possibility. And then act. Yes. And then seek it out like seek out you will the first time as you as you stop it now somebody asked me at one point well how do i just stop you, you just stop how do you quit a job i mean we say that in one of the chapters in the book how yeah. do you quit a job yeah and and let me just digress for a second nobody says to themselves i hope my boss treats me like shit more so that i'll leave the job you know so if you're sitting there saying to yourself i need to think about all the consequences and pain of drinking and drugging and it'll force me to stop it's not gonna no nobody does that you just you, you go from a job to a new job because the new job is better yes. better pay yes you know better relationships better relationship with your boss whatever it might be so all you have to have is an open mind so the the first like if you're a weekend, if you if you can manage to keep it together all week and then on the weekends you get you start on Friday and you get really drunk and on Sunday you feel like crap and then you have to go to work on Monday and you feel like crap. And so you you spend the rest of the week beating yourself up and then you get to Friday again and, and, it, and it starts again. If that's if that's kind of your pattern that you've gotten yourself in, that first Friday you make a decision, I'm not gonna drink this weekend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run the experiment, that happy experiment to see if, if I can have a good weekend without it, if I can be happy without it, it'll be uncomfortable. Initially, it'll be very uncomfortable. If you ruminate on the benefits you're missing out on, if you find yourself doing that, then challenge those benefits and be like, don't, don't go to consequences. Don't go to costs, but challenge the benefits and be like, you know, did it really do that for me last weekend? The things that I wanted to do? And especially what? escapism. Yeah. I think that's the big one. Did it really make me escape my problems? Yeah. And How much did I actually enjoy it? Did I just enjoy the first drink? Well, if I enjoyed the first drink, maybe I'll take one drink and see how that goes. Or you know what? I didn't even enjoy the first drink that much. You know, by the time I finished it, I, I was beating myself up from go. Um, then how about I just take this weekend, be abstinent, live my life, not ruminate on it as, as those habitual thoughts come in that a drink or a drug would be good right now, dismiss them and say, I'm not doing that this weekend and, and get on with your weekend and see how things go. So, so there's a real important part about what Michelle just said that I want to hone in on because it's the part that everybody skips. And that is that the drug doesn't matter what it is, cannot temporarily even make you escape your problems. If you believe that temporarily, even for three drinks, that it's making you escape your issues, mm -hmm. you're lying to yourself. Absolutely. And it's not true. It's a fantasy. Lance. It's a fantasy. And it's okay to be distracted with your own fantasies. But here's the deal. Your, your mind is making that distraction happen. 
by focusing on the fact that your body is getting a little buzzed. So you're doing that. So you don't need alcohol to do that. Fantasies are a normal part of life. Stop giving alcohol and or drugs the credit. It's you that's escaping your own problem. And now the reason that the first three hits or drinks makes you believe that the drug is the one, the operative thing that's making all that escape happen uh, or get accomplished is because you're going from sober to drunk. And in that transference of physical pleasure, you're distracted for a minute. You could do that by running up a hill. You could do that by making a conversation with a friend that you haven't talked to in 30 years. You could do that in any fantasy. You could literally sit in a room and fantasize about an ex-spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend. I mean, your mind is capable, obviously, of, of, of creating a fantasy and, and moving forward on that basis. So you don't need alcohol. The alcohol isn't doing it. The drug isn't doing it. Now, if you don't believe that, you have to read 17 through 20. Yeah. Or to go through the lessons in the, in the membership. 17 through 20 specifically. There's a bunch of video lessons on that. And look, there's also in those chapters, we have references you know, books that, that we got the information from, you can go to those books directly. That's right. You know, and, and really see what the research says about substances. So, so we don't look at, we're not saying that there are worthy activities and unworthy activities. No. If, if placebo effect is alive and well, and if you genuinely believe and you're not willing to challenge those beliefs that substances are are providing you that momentary escape or that momentarily bit of relief. If you're not willing to challenge the fact that you're doing that, we're not saying it doesn't happen. What we're saying is you're doing it. Your mind, your thoughts. Yeah. So, and what we're saying is you could do it with just about anything. Yeah. With any activity you enjoy, with getting on... Mark just got a motorcycle with getting on a motorcycle and going for a ride, you know, or, or, you know, calling a friend or going to see live music or going out to get a bite to eat with a friend. I mean, there are infinite number of activities where you can distract yourself and feel relief. And, and quite frankly, they tend to work a whole lot better. You know, when I, I I talked to somebody recently who who is struggling and, and she, she gets, you know, her, her go-to activity is getting drunk and sitting at home and feeling sorry for herself. Right. Right. So, so, and then she laments about how lonely she is. And, and I'm like, well, there's only one, one cure for loneliness. One really. And that's talk to somebody, talk to somebody else, but why, you know, but maybe, maybe lamenting about your loneliness is your fantasy that well that's a great point we always move in the direction of what we want to do so if you're sitting in self-pity and indulging in it it's because you see benefit in it i once had a student sitting right in this office with me and he went through three weeks of education and there was this sticking point and i i wasn't able initially to identify it and i could tell that that there was something blocking him from from what we were trying to to learn and I said, wait a minute. Now, let's say his name was Bill. And I said, Bill, what are the benefits of your self-pity? Because he kept going back to how 
basically sorry a sappy was you know that that his that, yeah that he, were, all these <laughs> issues were going on in his life it was all his fault yeah. and he was a loser and, and and then and then he became a victim because his his wife at the time was cheating on him which was legitimately happening yeah that sucks and he found out while he was here and but he had known about this situation for like two years and so I said, wait a minute, you've known about this situation for like two years? He goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, and you've stuck it out. And he said, yeah. And I said, how have you felt about that? And he's like, terrible. It's crushing. And I said, wait, for two years, it's crushing and you know about it and you stay with her. And he goes, yeah. And I said, you do understand then you're indulging in this. This is something, this is, this something, is something that you see benefits in doing. Yeah. You want to do this. And he goes, well, why would I want to do that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but you had better figure that out because it's making you pretty miserable. And, but I think that the misery is what you like. I think you like being a victim. And that was really hard for him to hear. And he goes, and I said, so let's, let's reframe this. What are the benefits of being a victim yes. with this situation? And, and there are benefits. And I said, so you're going to take two days and you're going to write all the benefits of your self-pity. You're indulging in self-pity, your indulgence in self-pity. And he came back. It changed his life. He goes, I have never understood why I've been such a miserable bastard for the last, like, literally 15 years. He goes, I indulge in depression and self-pity. And, and I said, all right, well, then you're going to have some, you're going to need some courage to move past this. You're going to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of these benefits because I'm not really getting out of this what I think I'm getting out of it. Wouldn't it be better to let go of the self-pity and find a new relationship based on the fact that you're a good guy? Yeah. He was blown away. Look at, I, 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 the last person that would ever judge someone who, who indulges in self-pity because I've done it. I understand oh, me too. it. Me too. Absolutely. I understand the benefits of it that I saw from it. Um, you know, and, and it does when you're, when you're in that cycle, it's called clinical depression, right? When you're in that cycle of negative thinking and self-flogging and all of this, this feeling like a victim, it feels like it's out of your control, just like addiction does, right? It feels like it's out of your control. It feels like nothing will ever be better. Nothing will ever be good in your life again. And, and, and it's, there it's a habit like anything else it's a habit that feeds itself because when you think negative things your brain releases chemicals that make you feel the way you're thinking right so your thoughts come first and 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 so and there was all people joke a lot about um positive psychology because they're you know what is it Stuart Smalley or something yeah, yeah. I'm good enough I like there's and people like me or whatever people, it was. Dan, gosh darn it people like me <laughs> like there's all of this but there's some it, there's always some truth in jest right like making fun of it it like positive thinking is just as much a habit as negative thinking. oh uh, look at it. it's you are what you think yeah not not figuratively you literally are what you think exactly Exactly. So, and we talk about that. I think it's chapter 14. We talk about you are what you think. Yeah. And chapters eight through 10. Yep. We go through that. Yeah. So, so, you know, as you're trying to shed this addict self image, it'd probably be a good idea to shed the self image that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And, and that you need to indulge in self pity and be depressed all the time that you're a depressive. 
Yeah. You know, I, I Bill Wilson in AA would always talk about, I'm a depressive. Yeah. I see things differently than other people. Well, you do because you practice the art of being depressed. Yep. You know, I did too. I, I did you know, too. I, I wasn't a very good problem solver initially in my life. And then one day, I, I remember making the decision. I can tell you the moment it happened. It was in 1988. And I said, I'm, I'm going to change my life. And I started doing that. I started thinking differently. And I said, there's nothing on this earth that can beat me. Yeah. Only I can end up destroying my own life. Um, it's time to, to, to have some courage, right? Because that's the theme here. It's the courage to move forward. The courage to move forward, even though you're scared, even though you may doubt yourself, even though your confidence may be shaken, even though you're you're you have a, a horrible habit of of hanging on to self pity and indulging in it, whatever it might be, um, you you may want to muster up some courage and move forward. So again, courage is moving forward even when you're scared or uncertain, but yeah. it just means blindly moving forward and saying, I'm just going to do this. And then suddenly the universe will shift your whole th way of thinking. It's called, you know, a psychic shift. You will have a psychic shift because you'll get good results. Suddenly the world will look a little different. You're like, oh my God, I didn't see that opportunity right there. I didn't see that because I was so sucked up within my own nonsense that I couldn't see what was sitting right in front of me. All the opportunities for life are there for anybody. It's just whether you're willing to pay the price to have some courage. And look at even when you figure it out and then life starts to go really well, you're going to get knocked down at some point and, yep. and you might have to be diligent again. So, so that that's the other part of this is people start doing really well and they're happy and then they, they get knocked down again. And then maybe they go out and they tie one on and all it, it, you don't have to go back to that. Oh, see, see. I'm yeah. a piece of shit. I'm an uh, alcoholic. Yeah. I'm an addict. See, whatever. Life just shits all over me. See? Yeah. You don't have to go back to that. That's totally a choice. You can just be like, okay, well that sucked. And now I've got to, you know, now I've got to move forward again. I've got to have some courage again. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you the older you get, <laughs> you know, I, for me, it's something I have to be diligent about it, not indulging in, in the negativity and the self-pity and, you know, thinking, projecting out forward that things are going to be hard because if we project that things are going to be hard, guess what? They are. They are. Yep. You, you create know? it. You absolutely do. Or you, life is hard already. It sure Here, is. Here's the deal. So you have this, you have this certain measure of pain and suffering that we all endure. Yeah. The question is whether you accept that, embrace it and say, okay, this is, this is part of life. This is just part of life that I have to endure, but I'm going to overcome most of it. Yes. I'm going to do my best to overcome and to come up with solutions that make sense for me. And I'm not broken. I'm not destroyed. You may have a lack of confidence, but that's only because you haven't addressed these things and move forward regardless of how you feel initially. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you life gets good. It if does. You, if you do this and you're consistent and you have the courage to, to just move forward on blind faith sometimes in yourself, you have faith in yourself when all indications are that you shouldn't because you've fucked it all up for years and years and years. I did too. You know, I've had a gun in my mouth. I know what it's like to be completely, totally despondent, but I'm not anymore. So it's important. It's important for you to move forward even when it seems difficult to do that. Or impossible. Yeah. It's never impossible.
That's right. Just do what's in your control. What can you control right now? What could you take on? You could definitely change your attitude Yeah, because that's internal. There's nothing stopping you from saying, wait a minute, I'm going to stop saying here, here, here's a classic line that people say, I'm so tired. I'm tired of doing this alone. I am so tired. You keep saying it and I guarantee you'll feel like total shit. You know, Um, don't let yourself say it. Stop saying that and say, no, today I have energy today. Even though I feel like shit, I'm going to move forward as if I have energy and I'm just going to do that until I get good results. I'll just keep doing that. Yeah. And that's what happens. You'll get good results. Yeah. Definitely. So I think that's a good way to end. Um, I want to just give a shout out to Ryan Schwantes. Okay. He is our, uh, he's our business partner. He does, he does all the financial stuff for us. He does, he did the skins for these podcasts. And when I first came in, it said on there that the wrong for our, our, for the freedom model international, it said it had the wrong web address. So I texted him right before. And while we were doing this podcast, it changed. Oh, <laughs> cool. I see you didn't notice it. I didn't. I noticed it changed even without my glasses on. And um, so I want to, I want to just say Ryan is our producer. He does so much behind the scenes. He's, and he's Oz behind the curtain. He really, really is. He is. So thank you, Ryan. So Freedom Model International membership is the best value you can get. You basically get all of our resources. You get an entire addiction solution in one place. In one place. Freedom Model Online Program, the Freedom Model for the Family. Online uh, Program. Online Program. You get all of our books. You get the audio book. Workbooks. Workbooks, worksheets, extra lessons. I mean, it's all there. Monthly newsletter. A monthly newsletter. Uh, And every single week, there is a brand new lesson. um, What we call, what have we learned this week lessons? And Mark's goes up this week. So, or actually last week, because this will be aired next week. (laughs) So um, it is uh, online.thefreedommodel.org. You can see it there in the corner, right? Yep, it's in the bottom (laughs) corner. He doesn't have his glasses on either. So it's in the bottom corner. However, it's it's the right-hand corner to us. I don't know how it shows up to everybody else. But um, so online.thefreedommodel.org. It's $39.95 a month. You keep it as long as you want, and then you cancel it at any time um, when you feel like you're done and you're ready to move forward. And that's what we're talking about here. Some people want to own the Freedom Model Online program for life. Yeah, and, you can do that too. And there's a one-time cost of that. That's $450. Um, so some people don't want to do a membership. They'd rather have- Just the, buy it outright, not have monthly payments. The only additional cost with owning it is if we add in content to that specific program, you may have to pay for those lessons. As yeah, the new, the new, if we do big lessons, and usually those are two or three videos at a yeah. rip. Yeah. Um, but it, it would be, it'd be a nominal cost yeah. for that. So, um, and the, you can, and if you have a loved one who just wants the freedom model for the family online program, that's available there as well. Just that's, a one-time cost. 200 bucks. I yep, think. Yep. Um, so 
the other thing is we still have our Freedom Model private instruction. So if you have the program and you think you want to talk to uh, an instructor one-on-one and go through the program with them, that's a really wonderful service. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have the retreat here, the retreat. St. Jude Retreat. St. Jude Retreat. Call one 888 424-2626. It's in the top left corner. Um, our phone number, and you can talk with Danny, and he'll be happy to help you figure out which is the best uh, best solution for you. Yeah, let's say that number again, because I think the live moniker there uh, covers it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's still up there because it's either. a recording, but yeah. um, it would be 888-424-2626. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, and um, we'll talk to you next time. See you next week.